0: Let's Talk Torah. Hi, I'm Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. If you'd like to call into the show, you can call in at 844-999-9249, that's 844-999-9249, or you can send your questions to our mailbag at letstalktora, no apostrophes, Torah at gmail.com, and I will answer as many questions as I can. So many things happening today. Um, Here we are in Michigan. The weather is beautiful. It seems Michigan, as a state goes, is doing much better coming back from corona than other states. Certainly other states are having many issues. Um, Unfortunately, the state of New York, where my children usually go to sleepaway camp, um, has um, not allowed, disallowed, forbidden, whatever word you like. They've said no sleepaway camps which is not helpful to my teenage children. So it was really interesting. Everybody knows the story. Uh, When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. So we have to entertain the children. And I have all ages. I have my elementary school children, my post-high school children, my teenagers. So what do you do? So, you know, I decided last weekend, I said, you know what we're going to do, guys? We're going to do something I never did before. I always wanted to. I said, we're going to go up north to the Upper Peninsula. Upper Peninsula in Michigan is gorgeous. It's humongous. Waterfalls, mountains, hikes, streams. Um, you go out onto Lake Superior. There's rock formations and colors. It's supposed to be gorgeous. The locks are up there. You're away from everything. It's beautiful. And I told my kids they were pumped. So pumped that they said, even if camp opens, we we'd rather go on this trip with you. We're going to do that for about a week at the beginning of August, um, and it's amazing. You know, you, you get one set of information, things don't look so good. So, take a step back. You could work it out. You could find something. You got to be creative sometimes, and you yourself have to be pumped. My wife is not a big uh, hiker, nature person. She actually, I think, is interested. I think she's going to have a good time with us, all in good time. But as parents, if we are excited to try something different, it's very easy to bring the children along. I, I sort of made a mistake today. I, I sell my class outdoors, and we're going to have a party next week. So the question is, like, what to have for dessert? So I'm better off not asking, because as soon as I ask, I have four opinions. I can't make them all happy. So maybe I'll do a little bit of each. We'll see. Time will tell. But um, you got to be careful uh, what you offer sometimes. But if you offer it with the right attitude, it's amazing how they all are just excited. We've never done it before, which is also part of the excitement. Find something you haven't done and, and give it a shot. And, and the parent has to you know, go with the flow. Not everything will work perfectly. Not everything will go as smoothly as we want. I've already ordered my Rand McNally nap, maps. For those who know what those are, before Ways, right before Google Maps, you had to sit there with a paper map in your hat, hand and and red lines and blue lines and little black lines and and figure out where you're going. And I've used them and I know how to use them because I am going to an area where the Ways doesn't always work, which is good. So I won't have so much. Uh, so much cell phone communication, but I got to know where I'm going because it does get frustrating on a trip to get lost. So that's one thing that we're looking forward to. Um, what to talk about today. Um, for those who, you know, the, that old joke that the washing machine ate their socks, it's true. I know it's hard to believe. It is true because my washing machine wasn't working the last two days. Sure enough, the guy goes in and there's like socks that are stuck in the pump which means they need a new pump. But it is true, I don't know how it's possible that the machine doesn't have something to block socks from going into the pump. Uh, My wife claims they're small socks, they're baby socks, I don't know. All I know is there's socks in my pump, the children who lost the socks didn't notice, but the machine ate them. So it is a true statement when we say that washing machines eat socks, and they cause a lot of damage, but so it goes. Okay, one more thing about today, and then we'll move into the Torah portion. So, it happens to be um, in what's called the Dafyomi, for those who learn the same page around the world of the Talmud. So today, they're in the middle of the tractate called Shabbos. And I think today is 102. 102, I'm pretty sure it's 102. Anyways, very famous, beautiful um, piece of Talmud. And it's discussing the the, the Aleph base, right? We talk about, we don't do it as often now. I'll do one maybe in the next show. Uh, I have posters with different letters, the Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph Base, And it's not just a language. Every letter has a meaning. Every placement of a letter has a purpose. So the Talmud talks about how a, a, a child, doesn't say who the child was, comes into the study hall and he gives a whole... Um, sermon, I don't know. He gives a he gives a whole play on letters for the Aleph base. So, in the order of the Aleph base, it's Aleph, that's the first letter, Bayes, the second letter, Gimel is the third letter, and Dalit is the fourth letter. So, this the child says the letters themselves mean things. So, Gimel, he re translates or re reads as Gomel. Gomel means like to bestow or to give. And Dalid is also representative of Dalim. Dalim is poor. So, gomel, he bestows, meaning money, or whatever the person needs, Dalim to the poor. So, the Alabase is teaching us we have to be charitable. But the Talmud takes it a step further. If you look at the form of the gimel, it has two legs. And the gomel is a person bestowing. So, that means that the person who is giving the charity is running after the dalim, after the poor person. In other words, it shouldn't be that the poor person is knocking on the wealthy person's door. What really is supposed to be is the one bestowing, the gomel, the one giving the charity, should be running after those that are poor. What does that have to do with today? Today. So lots of things have been happening. So I'm in the middle of a of two fundraisers, actually, for Yeshiva's Darachite Torah. We have our journal campaign going. There won't be a dinner this year. No one's going to dinners. Um, we also have a a pyramid uh, fundraiser that will become our annual campaign. Um, so both of those are running at once. So one of my wealthy donors who lives in Florida, so I have his phone number. I call him. I don't know if he's going to call me back. I had in mind. They called him like two weeks ago. Um, I figured maybe this week I'll try again. I don't want to. I don't want to bother him. Sure enough, he calls me yesterday. We have a long conversation. Whether he will, what happened was he'd actually given twice last year. Made a mistake. He sent us two checks, and we of course made the mistake of cashing both because they didn't catch it. So he'd really paid last year. So I asked him. I said, "Look, you paid last year. We, you know, we always need help, but you, of course, already paid. If you do not want to donate again." You know, you're, you're covered for this year. But the fact was, he called me. He reached out to me. Whatever his decision will be, he's going to speak to his wife. He's going to decide. But he reached out to me. He's the Gomel Dahlem. He called me back. This morning, happened again. Another donor. Um, he's, uh, I think, in the 1000 range, but it's still a nice donation. So I, I have a very hard time reaching him. He's very hard to reach. Um, so I started telling people, I said, can we make a phone conference? Can we make an appointment where I could talk to you? He didn't answer. It was a late night email. Showed up this morning. Right after I finished praying, I get a phone call. He's on the line. We talked for 15 minutes. It was beautiful. And I'll be sending him the information about this pyramid fundraiser and he will be joining us. So, so again, it's, it's nice when, when things work the way God wants them to work, that the, the gomel, the bestower, the donors are actually going after the dal and the poor. I'm not calling myself poor, but I do represent an organization. Organizations are poor because they obviously don't make their own money. They rely on the, on the kindness and the benevolence of others to help their important organization move forward. So all these things happened today. I thought they were all interesting, all timely, but more timely, let's get into this week's story portion. We are so close. It's parashashalach. We are so close to entering the land of Israel. In um, last week's Torah portion, we, we had been marching three days. We're getting closer. Uh, the Jews complained about a few things. They complained about the mon and uh, too much traveling. And then they were put on hold. And then, then they get new elders. And Miriam speaks Lashon Hara, she talks about her brother Moshe and she gets saras leprosy, and she's outside of the camp for a week. So we've, you know, a little bump in the road, um, which will lead to the next bump in the road, which will last 40 years or 38 and a half. And the, the language of the Torah portion is very, very interesting. God says to Moses, send for yourself spies who asked for spies, who's talking about spies, what spies, where spies. We're supposed to be traveling. We didn't hear when we left Mount Sinai that we got to send spies. That's one problem. Second problem is that what do we need spies for? God's leading the way. Got this cloud going forward. He tells Moses everything we're supposed to do. We march. He says, march into into the Red Sea. We march into the Red Sea. He, a few weeks ago, well... I guess historically it would have been, Um, Amalek attacks. God tells uh, Moses, you pray, uh, send Joshua, you go fight. And Moses picks Joshua to lead the war. God's leading the the whole charge. God doesn't need spies, right? That's ridiculous. So what exactly is God telling Moses, send for yourself spies? So obviously we're missing part of the story. So the Jewish people were clamoring for spies. It is debatable if Moses agreed with them or disagreed with them. In either case, God is telling Moses, send for yourself. You want to do this? Go right ahead. I'm telling you it's a bad idea. You know, sometimes you go to a parent, you go to a grandparent, you go to a boss, you come up with an idea or a principle, and they say, you could do it. Right? We, I don't want anyone to think that I'm holding you back from your ideas, but I'm telling you it's a bad idea. And here God is saying, it's a bad idea. So why is Moses allowing them to go through with it? It's very simple. We're marching towards Israel. God has promised us it's an amazing land, flowing with milk and honey. It's the best place to be. So the people say, we want to send spies. We want to check it out. Now, this also, we have to take time to figure out what we want to check out. But we'll put that on the side. If you were buying a new car... And you go to the the person selling it, whether it's a dealership, whether it's a private person. um, Do you mind if I test drive it? Oh, I'm sorry. You cannot test drive my car. Oh, here. Can I bring a mechanic to look at it? No, I'm sorry. This is the car I'm selling. I'll turn the key and show you it works. You cannot bring a mechanic. So you're running away. You are not buying a car that the guy doesn't let you test anything because he's obviously hiding something. If the guy says, sure, take it for a test drive, take it home for a couple days. You want to bring a mechanic? No problem. You want to bring it to your mechanic? No problem. I'm telling you, everything is fine. The more the person, the seller, will allow you to test it and check out anything you want, the less nervous you become because he obviously has nothing to hide. The only people who have things to hide are the ones that don't let you test things out. So Moses figured, I'll tell the Jewish people, you want spies? Send spies. I'll tell you where to go. Anything you want. Figuring that, uh, or hoping, that the, the, the Jewish people figure, oh, he's saying yes to everything, probably nothing to worry about. But as soon as Moses is going to say, sorry, no spies? Why no spies? Is, do you have something to hide? Are you hiding something? Are you worried about something? So therefore... Moses really has no choice. He really must allow the spies to go ahead. Um, there is another side to look at these spies. It is true that all our travels so far have been miraculous. The cloud is leading us and the Red Sea splits and we're in the middle of a desert and the mud is flying from heaven and we've got this this big stone that gives us a... a, a a perpetual and automatic, a daily water supply. We are living in the desert in a miraculous fashion. How are we gonna go into land of Israel? First of all, is it gonna be miraculous? We're not sure. Second of all, and something very important to think about: this world was set up with nature. God had, had the rules and regulations of nature, and he set up the world to work that way. The Sun comes up in the east, sets in the west. When it rains, the ground gets wet, plants grow. If you plant a, a wheat kernel, an apple tree doesn't grow out of it, right? There's the, the world was set up to work with nature, and God is in control of that nature, of course. The word miracle, the translation of miracle at least Torah miracle, means that God is changing the rules of nature. Anytime we discuss a miracle, miracle means God has changed nature. So now you want to go, you want to start looking through the Torah. See, every time it talks about a miracle, miracles are always a change of nature. If it's not a change of nature, so God is letting the world run, he's orchestrating, not saying he's not orchestrating, um, he's pulling the strings, but it's not a miracle. So the question becomes, when we live, right? So God wants us to live a normal life. You have to go to work. You have to earn a living. You have to go to the store to buy food. You have to cook the food so you have something to eat. You have to have some type of shelter, home, apartment, motor home I don't care. So you're not out in the elements, right? There's, we, we as human beings have to do, we'll call it normal, normal things to live. I do not live in my house, put my feet up on the table and say, God will provide. Somehow food will end up in front of me. Now, there have been throughout history, there have been those special people that have such an amazing relationship with God that they know God's going to take care of them. And even they have to do a little bit And it's important when we're doing, the Hebrew word is eshtadlis. When I'm doing my, when I'm putting in my effort, I I recognize that God's doing everything, but God wants me to put in effort. It's a great story. I I, I tell my class, it could be I've said it before, it's a great story. There was an older gentleman in Israel, very poor, doesn't eat very much, but uh, he needed tomatoes. In Israel, they like to have uh, vegetables with their dinner. So he went to the market to go buy his tomatoes. So he goes, gets his tomatoes, puts them in a bag, standing online. line. And uh, another another Yid, another Jew is walking down. He sees this old, this old Yid. He knows who he is. He goes, starts talking to him, probably talking about uh, maybe that day's uh, page in the Talmud, maybe something in that week's story portion. They were certainly talking in learning. As they get to the cash register, he puts down his tomatoes, and the clerk says, okay, that'll be, I don't know, three shkullim. And this old gentleman is just standing there quietly. Hello, sir, you're holding up the line. Can you please give me three skullim? And the guy doesn't even reach into his pockets. So the friend, the Jew that came by the friend, realizes this older gentleman did not bring money, pulls out three shkullim from his pocket, and says, here you go the Jew picks up the old the old yid picks up his tomatoes and he starts leaving so the the friend says to this old yid he says i don't understand you you went shopping without any money how did you do that he says i needed tomatoes but but you don't have any money but i need tomatoes god knows i need tomatoes so I have to go get the tomatoes. God's going to have to figure out how to pay for them. So the old Jew said, the, I'm sorry, the other Yid said, but uh, but how, how are you going to pay for it? He says, I, I didn't know I was going to pay for it. Obviously, God sent you to pay for it. He says, and what if I wouldn't have come? God would have sent another messenger. But God sent you. Now that is a, it's an acute story. It's an interesting story. It shows you there are those people out there in the world that can live a different style than the rest of us. They can be so close with God that they know God is taking care of them. But for us normal people, we're going to bring money or our credit card to the grocery store. We're not walking to the grocery store expecting someone to pay. So the Jewish people think that when we're going to go into the land of Israel, maybe God wants to be natural. Natural, you send spies. We didn't know what God wanted. Does he want us to go natural? Does he want us to do our best, natural, like we're going to conquer a country, and then God will do all the miracles anyways? Perhaps. But we have to do what we have to do. That's what they thought. God still said it was a mistake. They shouldn't have been thinking that way. But that's what they thought. So they're going to send spies. And Moses is going to select 12 spies now, he's not going to select any old person he's obviously going to select very righteous people but there was a tremendous inclination that God sent to test these spies and the Jewish people now understand Joshua is one of the spies he's the next leader Caleb is one of the spies but Joshua was not the greatest of all the spies how do you know cuz he's not number 1 on the list he's not number 1 he's not number 2 not number 3 um, I think it's like four or five. I'd have to say the words over in my head. It's not that important for us. But uh, he's not even the, the, the most righteous of the group when they leave. But God put into them this crazy idea that they don't want to go to the land of Israel. You know, it's very easy sometimes when, uh, when somebody doesn't want to do something, they come up with all kinds of excuses and they even make them holy spiritual reasons. Oh, if we go to the land of Israel, we won't be living like we are in the desert where we're completely spiritual and God completely takes care of us. We're going to go to Israel. We're going to have to work. That's not good. We want to be completely spiritual. And that sounds good. That, That actually sounds very believable. But that's not what God wanted. Right. They didn't want to go. So somehow they found a spiritual answer to say it's not good for us to go. It's not so good for us. They start saying things. Now, once you start saying one excuse, start saying the next one. They come back. Um, as spies go, they did the wrong thing. Spies are supposed to report to the general. They reported to the Jewish people. That was not what they were hired for. That was not the deal of what was supposed to happen. Um... For the most part, they said the truth. They brought back those humongous fruits. Look at these fruits. Because if you want to come up with a really good lie, you got to have some truth in there. They talked about the giants and the people and the cities. But then they threw in their opinion. And they said, we don't think God is strong enough to conquer. Who asked your opinion? You want to say, naturally, we don't think we're strong enough. We're going to need God. You could say that. But even that, you don't get to say A spy's job is not to go ahead and give his opinion. A spy's job is to report. It's Moses' job, it's Aaron's job, it's the Elders' job. Furthermore, they should have realized Miriam, who just slandered last week, was thrown out of the camp for a week, and she was trying to be helpful. And instead, these guys go ahead, say real slander, what do they think was going to happen? So unfortunately, and we don't have too much time, but unfortunately, you get what you ask for. The Jewish people cry, we don't want to go, so God says, no problem, you don't want to go, you don't have to go, you're going to stay in the desert for 40 years, that's what you wanted, your children will go, but all you people will die in the desert. There's a, a, a story from the Dubna Magid. There was a, a, a wealthy man, he had originally not been such a good fellow, he, wasn't, he was more coarse, come into a lot of money. And he, his son was given two options of who to marry: he can marry the rabbi's daughter, or he can marry another wealthy businessman who happened to be a gangster. So he said, "Ooh, the rabbi's daughter. That's 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 pretty special. I'll marry. The, I'll let my son marry the rabbi's daughter." So they had some meetings, and even though the rabbi knew the fellow and his son were more coarse, but he figured, okay, they want the rabbi's daughter and they have money. Maybe it'll be good for everybody. Meanwhile, in the bargaining, the wealthy man had certain things that he wanted from the rabbi, and if he wasn't going to give them, he wasn't giving in. So the rabbi said, look, I, I'm a poor man. I can't handle it. So the wealthy fellow said, you know what? I'm going to let my, do- my son marry the, the, uh, the daughter of the other wealthy guy. So um, people came to say, said, what are you, crazy? Are you crazy? You could, you could be, be ma- your child could marry the, the rabbi's daughter. You got to be out of your mind. So he he went back to the match. He said, you know, I changed my mind. I I want the rabbi's daughter. I'll take care of everything. I'll take care of all the money. No problem. So the rabbi came back and said, no deal. It's too late. You get what you asked for. I thought that you respected what, what a rabbi's family is. I thought you respected the Torah study. Just like the Jews, God says, I thought you respected the land of Israel. I thought you wanted the land of Israel. Now I see you don't respect the land of Israel. You don't want the land of Israel. You're not getting it. And there rabbi I said to the wealthy guy, I thought you respected who and what my family were. I see you just wanted the honor of it. You really don't appreciate it. You really don't respect it. And therefore, you can't have it. And it's been short and sweet. And my music is playing. So, I, again, as always, I hope you guys enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you to all wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team. We have David and Angel in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast, and until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we